And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Can I have a light? Sorry, I can't help you out, pal. I'm not gonna. <laughs> What exactly are you, Professor Ruff, Mr. Hogan? Art. Doesn't it ever wake you in the middle of the night? The feeling that someday they will pass that foolish law and come for you. And your children. Take you all away. Hey, freaks! And welcome to the second week of X-Men Month, bringing us to the halfway point of X-Men Month. I'm Chris Honeywell, and I'm here with Scott Gardner. Hello, fellow mutant. <laughs> A whole different kind of mutant, though. And I'm more, more the uh, exposed to the radiation just a little too long kind of mutant. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. We're more realistic. Something wrong with the, something wrong in the drinking water kind of mutant. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I wish my mutation was like walking through walls or something, but it's really like my right arm is kind of scabby and scaly. <laughs> it has these lumps on it, and that's yeah. my that's my mutation. <laughs> you know, despite these movies and, and all the X-Men comics I've read and everything like that, you know, I, I still, to this day, I, I, I snicker like a, you know, like a teenage boy at the word mutant because Randy just forever spoiled me on that word because, you know, some at some point living in New Jersey, uh, he picked up the habit of, like, people, you know, like when he'd be driving, for example... And somebody'd make him mad or something. It'd be like, you know, freaking mutants. You know, <laughs> it's, well, it's New Jersey, man. That's, well, yeah, that's the yeah, well, capital yeah. of the world. It's there fun. you go. <laughs> you know, but it just—I don't know—it just cracks me up every time. So, you know, to this day, you know. Plus, I was just watching uh, Beneath the Planet of the Apes the other day in preparation for Apes Month. Oh, there, and, that's right. Uh, There's mutants in that. Mutants, yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, those uh, that when I think of mutants, that's I think more of that, you really? know, than I see face of, kind. Yeah, exactly. With the <laughs> ping pong balls glued over their eyes and stuff. <laughs> so looking forward to that, though. But speaking for uh, speaking of looking forward to something, I'm looking forward to this because, dude, I love this movie. Love, love, love this movie that we're gonna, about to get into. Um, this one's way up there on my list of uh, of all time favorite uh, superhero flicks, and I imagine it's probably fallen a, a few spots. But I know that it it used to anyway regularly make the list of you know the all time greats. I'm not sure where it would rank these days, but I know for the longest time until, you know, the Marvel films, you know, Marvel Studios films started knocking, you know, every single one out of the park, that this one was consistently up there, you know, within like the top, like 
10, maybe even the Easily. top five. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. It's way up there. Great movie though. So looking forward to getting into this one. All right. Well, you ready then? I'm ready. I yeah. I'm paused at zero, part. zero. Good to go. All right. So we're going to do just like we did last time. If you were here last time, if you weren't here last time, then turn this off, go back and listen to X-Men one. <laughs> Come back. Are you back? All right. So we're going to do the same exact thing. I'm going to count down from three. And when I say go, you push play and we watch the movie. Three, two, one, go. All right. Here we go. 20th Century Fox. Now, it's weird that on the soundtrack for this, which I really, really like the soundtrack to this Mm. movie. I mean, like a lot. There's actually a little stinger at the end of this 20th Century logo that's the theme of the X-Men. Um, and I'm, if I end up editing this episode, which I, I would like to, then I'll, I'll put that in at the very beginning over, uh, you well, know, underneath the voiceover. Well, if uh, I if I end up editing this episode, I'll do the same thing so nobody <laughs> will know who edited this episode. <laughs> there you go. But uh, I, I really do love John Ottman's score for this movie. I'm going to put a little postulation here. This is sort of a Star Trek movie. Across the planet. Mm-hmm. Space, yeah. the final frontier. <laughs> but um, it's to me, it's Star Trek Three, and I'll get back to that. And I'll get back to you on that in two hours. But uh, okay. yeah, I this this uh, just like uh, X Men. The first X-Men, this was my um, first viewing of it since I saw it in the theater when it came out. And um, all I remembered about it, besides, you know, a few of the story elements, was that I really liked it. That I was sitting in the theater going, okay, now this is a superhero movie. Right. Although I liked X, I walked out of X-Men like that was an acceptable introduction to the X-Men to get it started. Right. But this really rose to the occasion of like, all right, we've introduced the characters. Let's let's give it some more cuz what I was complaining about was characterization and and um just general plot. This what this one delivers on it. So it, and it sort of takes up right where the last one, hey, it's Lincoln, where's Genghis Khan? <laughs> It sort of takes up right where the other one left off. So if you watch it, like if you think of this as like a TV miniseries or something, it starts to make sense a little more that, okay, now we can go a little deeper into the characters. Not like we go deep into them, but they start to feel like characters that we know. And I start thinking of them as their comic book, you know, analogs. Right. This one, it's funny that it's still Brian Singer because it feels like a very different type of movie to me. Maybe he was just more comfortable in his director's skin this time around. But this one, I think, really hits the beats. I think it's the script. The script, Mm -hmm. the script, while having a lot going on in it and maybe too much going on in it. But that's we could get into that later. But um, I think the script's just far superior to the to the last one. The story, 
Right. I mean, things are happening in this one. Yep. I mean, things are constantly in a state of crazy flux, you know? Well, it's funny. I was reading somewhere that the intent with this one was to make it the Empire Strikes Back of of an X-Men trilogy. And damned if I don't think it works that way. I really think it does. It's much darker in tone. Yeah. Uh, There's a much uh, darker threat going on. Um, But what I like about this movie is not only do you get the... uh, the much missing character elements from the first one, you know, this one really hits the beats with the characters and manages to really not leave anybody out of a huge cast of characters. Yeah. Everybody gets their little character beat moments. And I like that everybody feels fairly fleshed out in this movie as far as the character. But what I like about it and what makes it feel Star Wars esque to me is that it moves, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, even the down moments are moving. It really never lets up the the entire time, and I like that. I love this scene. This scene is fantastic. I thought of this as like the James Bond beginning, where it's just a crazy, well, and this was post the Matrix, and where this sort of stuff was getting old, mm-hmm. but this made it work in the context of the story. It made that it makes sense to use that kind of style what this this. made work for me and i'm really glad that it did was i was not real thrilled hearing you know when this was you know before it came out and hearing the rumors and everything about it i wasn't uh crazy about the fact that they were going to put nightcrawler into it because this guy's perfect too he is he is don't don't get me wrong but originally i was like oh god i never liked nightcrawler never liked that character at all in the comics. And I'm glad they started the movie with that scene because it instantly won me over. Because I was like, oh my God, this guy, he, why why was he never like this in the comics? Because he's a badass. I mean, he takes everybody out and gets to the president. I thought that was pretty impressive. But again, you know, later in the movie too, when we actually get to know him a little bit, he's a very likable character. Yeah, so. he's, 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 uh, yeah, he's even... That looked like a bad Matt there for just a second could have been and now we get to the character everybody wants to see we got to right. get our wolverine in but um i like i always i always like the characters like um and not even so much as talking about um nightcrawler's personality or anything but i liked it reminded me of an i i think it was an isaac it was either an isaac asimov or an arthur c clark book where it might have been childhood's end so i think it's arthur c clark where the the aliens that you know genetically made us come back, mm-hmm. and they look like Satan. They're red with horns. And is uh, this real, by the way, or is this all spray on that foam it, stuff? Because this always looks a little fake to me every yeah, time I see it. It's just like wow, the wind. It could, well because it looks like the wind just blasted it on. Yeah. Which I mean, after a big storm, yeah, it looks like this, or or a place where it's really windy, it will look like that. See, there's but no breath like, coming out of his mouth, so right. it makes me think it's a set. It looks like they just, yeah, they just sprayed on a lot of, a lot of snow. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. But 
the aliens were actually good guys, but they looked like Satan. So, you know, when they showed up with, you know, Christianity and everything, it was turmoil. And I like that he looks he looks like a demon and he, you know, appears and disappears in a puff of sulfur right. stuff. So it makes, you know, it makes the whole thing of like if mutants all just look like regular people and just did special things it wouldn't be hard to have to probably establish mutant rights or sympathy for them right they look like demons (laughs) right and are and can do things that make them you know potentially dangerous as dangerous as their personality is it makes a really complicated and then to take those characters and make them into sympathetic characters it's it's a kind of a challenge for the the writers and it makes for a very you know a good a good way to address not not as much racism but bigotry you know any kind of bigotry or you know whether it's high school i mean it's the x-men so it was probably more playing off like being an outsider in high school right but you know i mean that became especially during the claremont time the sort of thing about the mutants is like you know they need you know the the struggle for the rest of the world to accept them right and especially when you had ones like magneto and i think this movie captures that it this movie just captures those 80s x-men comics generally perfectly i mm-hmm. like i like cyclops in this one yeah, I was just gonna say I'm really glad that he's uh, much more developed and much much more used in this. I still think he could be used even more, but of the three, this is the one where he gets to shine the most of the three films, and I like him in this one. And I like him a lot in this one. And I mean, I feel like he and Jean Grey have a relationship in this one. Right. You know? I feel as if. You know, you can feel the tension, the three-way tension with Wolverine. I think this scene's a little overplayed. I think this character, Pyro, is a bit overplayed in the... Uh, Maybe so, but I like him. Because I've known people like him, so... Yeah, (laughs) I have. He's sort of a... He's sort of a... um, Yeah, an exaggeration of it. But yeah, he comes off as a little too Corey Feldman for me. That's maybe why yeah. I don't like him. <laughs> I can see that. I I mean, I was I'm just I was just waiting for Wolverine to smack that lighter out of his hand. Just like <laughs> put that down. I like Iceman. I like Iceman a lot. Have you watched the third one yet? No. Oh, okay. I like that he's he's kind of they're playing him kind of younger in this than he was in the comics, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they play fast and loose with the whole timeline and all all of these movies because you know there there were certain X Men in in here, well, like you know, like Bobby, like Iceman here is obviously one of the kids, one of the newer class. Yet in the comics, he was one of the original five X Men. Yeah. So yeah, they've kind of got them shifted all over the place as far as their ages and when they've come into the team and all that. But I like that. You know, I, I can live with it. I like this scene. I like how they um, established the professor. Because when I first saw this, I'm like, 
what did he just stop time? But it's like, no, he just stopped all those people. And, you know, they establish that when you hear the woman on the cell phone, like, right. hey, are you there? And then you see a drip of ice drip off the guy's face. They, you mm-hmm. know, I thought that was a very nice way of showing what's going on. I, li- I, I You know what else I like about this movie is it's not dumbed down to the public level. <laughs> not to, That sounds snobby. But, I mean, it's not dumbed down to the people who aren't familiar with the X-Men level. Right. It's not made so the general public is spoon-fed everything. It assumes that they're smart enough to just sort of keep up with what's going on in sort of um, suspension, suspension of disbelief. With, mm-hmm. so so it does so I really appreciated watching this and just getting to see sort of an X-Men comic come to life and right. never having to stop and going okay dummies this is how this is or this is how this is they would just find nice little shorthands to to show it so your brain could do it sublimally one of the things I think that makes this movie work the best is this guy right here, um, Brian Cox, who's playing William Stryker? He's fantastic. He's a slime ball. He's yeah, like doing but, a he's like doing a semi Donald Pleasance in this, and I, it's great. It just oozes slime, and yeah, he's a great, great actor in this uh, role. Though I mean, plays a great villain. And uh, <laughs> another connection to Apes Month when we get around to Rise of the Planet of the Apes. He's the guy that's uh, in charge of the primate facility. The, uh, the character's name in that is John Landon, which is a nod to Landon from the original Planet of the Apes. But, yeah, that's him. Because every time I was I watched that movie, for the longest time, I was watching that movie and going, oh, I know this guy from something. Who is he? And then one day I was watching, I'm like, oh, my God, a striker. You know, it suddenly hit me who he actually was. So Every time I think of striker, I think of airplane the movie. <laughs> Ted Stryker. I like this guy playing the president too. He's obviously a little uh, little George Bush going on there, but I, I kind of like that. There's a little George Bush going on there. Well, there was a time period, I guess. Right. There's a little George Bush going on there, but he's not play uh, that. He's not played as a completely malleable idiot like you would think he is. He seems to have a little bit of rationality, and he doesn't really. Um, like when um, Nightcrawler's got him pinned, he doesn't like piss his pants. You know, he's just like, "Oh, I'm gonna die." He's not happy about it, but you know, right? I like I, most usually in a movie like this, they would have the president sort of, you know, break down into a blubbering mass or so, something like that. <laughs> you know, that would be the the easy sort of way to do it. Not that this movie is full of nuance, and this movie is, you know full of plot holes and all sorts of things but you know one of the big secrets is it keeps going forward keeps Mm -hmm. going forward you believe in the world and you believe in the characters and that's all you need actually i I thought the the plot was fairly tight in this one to be honest with you at least compared with the other oh yeah and, and compared to most superhero movies but there's lots of things that are just like you know don't fit or if you think about them too hard it's like wait what just happened there you know or in physics wise or just like rationality wise 
but they're minor things and it's kind of part of what makes something like this fun right it could it's also part of what can send something like this down in flames but if you do it right and you get the tone right it becomes it becomes fun it it mm-hmm. becomes like okay you know this does not have to be real you know it doesn't have to be 100% we can line this all up with reality which there's there's one big part that I'll point out later. I'll bet you you're on that part too, though. I was watching it last night, going like, "Ooh, <laughs> what what about this?" That big guy's uh, Colossus. He gets just a little bit of just a little, little bit of time in this one. I don't know who the other kid's supposed to be that's with him there at the table. I get the feeling that most of these people you see wandering around are supposed to be characters from the comics, but I don't know who a lot right, of them are. Right, right. Out of costume, I, I can't tell you. Well, there's a kid with, I think, green hair that you'd see a couple times walking around in the background, so he's got to be somebody, you know, there's there's no way that they just, like, I like this instead of giving him the hard handshake, it gives him a little freeze. <laughs> yeah, that's how I establish my dominance, which is pretty ballsy to try to establish your dominance with Wolverine. <laughs> Get a claw in the throat. Speaking of establishing dominance, hello. <laughs> she looks her best in this movie of the three movies. I haven't seen the the third one, but she finally gets to play her character. I don't think she plays her character like I would would have read the character from the comics. But I'm glad she doesn't. I was just going to say that too. Yeah, I never cared for uh, for Storm how she was portrayed in the comics. I liked her because when she I was came a in, it was Oprah. You know what I'm well, saying? A little yeah. bit like not not. I mean, she was some. Wasn't she some sort of royalty anyway? No, she was. Well, she was worshipped by her people right, because. Right. So she and had, I always thought this was a little. I don't want to say racist, but I always thought it was a little. Um, I don't know, make up whatever term, but you know, she comes from Africa and her people were primitive and she was a mutant that controlled the weather. So naturally they worshiped her as, as a goddess and everything. And I always thought, isn't that a little insensitive or well, something? Was, but of course it was the times. I was you know? just going to say when they thought it out, when they, when they thought it up that during that time, that's actually quite a line that Scott tells Wolverine to fill her up. <laughs> the whole girlfriend thing going on. I n- I didn't notice that last time, but I like uh, this here the once and future king. He so that he was a is nice having a riot in this movie. Oh he's, yes, he is. Some of the looks a, he gives are great. The looks and the I mean literal nods and winks. I think he actually winks at somebody in this. Yeah, he does. And this is one of my nitpicks right here, though. Is this blow he gets should cave his face in. Because this guy just lambastes him here in a second. This guy looks a little like that actor Seth Rogen, the comedian. <laughs> so it's hard to take him seriously. Right there. Ow. I like the thing where he's he's like twitching his arm, though. I mean, it's very believable. Well, He's a I, great actor. I like it because, I mean, one thing we talked about in the last one is Magneto's one of those um, bad guys... That they like to s- skate the line with si- of sympathy with. They really want mm-hmm. to sympathize with him. In right. The last one, 
you did kind of sympathize with him till he was about to mass murder and just take Rogue and use her to further, you know, just sacrifice her, basically. And he did it cavalierly. He was just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to kill you. And so you, that's where you lose sympathy. But here they're sort of re- reestablishing it, you know, by showing that he's being tortured and and mind-controlled. There's something I thought of today, though. I don't know if it's necessarily a plot hole, but I definitely thought about it, is, okay, so Stryker took his son Jason to Xavier at some point in the past for help, essentially. He he wanted Xavier to cure him, to, which means that he knew that Xavier dealt with mutants and everything. So it seems like he should have a little more insight into all this at the get-go. Right. So what exactly is he pumping Magneto for? Uh, is... is the fact that he does suspect Xavier. Oh, I think it's straight up Cerebro. That's his aim is to get a super. No, no, no. I, I know that's what he wants, but I'm just saying is I, I'm trying to figure out like exactly like. Well, I think when does you... he know about the whole X-Men thing because of having taken his son there or probably... it almost gives the impression he's he learned about it through Magneto. Well, but I'm wondering. I get the impression that he's maybe known about it since the whole thing with his son, right? And has been waiting to do something with it, and so it's been obviously years and years and years. So, I thought this through way too much, (laughs) but from a sort of like shady politician point of view, he's got this information. He's sitting on it, you know, about about the school for the gifted. And um, he wants to, when the time comes, he wants to, you know, attack the place. But if he just goes, hey, I have all this information about it, then, you know, the people he's giving it to are going to be like, why have you been sitting on this for 20 years? You know, what's up with that? So by torturing and having Magneto, he's like, look what we've learned from Magneto. You know, we've got this. And also, if you were torturing somebody just to get the one piece of information, you might want to torture them on a whole bunch of other stuff so they don't know what you're trying to get from them. Right. You could make them think that you're, you're, you know, yeah, I don't, yeah, I'm not really, I'm, it's been so long since my last torture class that (laughs) I don't remember, you know, how, how you go about that, but. Yeah, I, I think basically he was just he was waiting. He was doing a Palpatine and just amassing his knowledge and waiting for the right time when he had his pieces in the right place or they'd fall into the right place to 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 go into action. Right. That may that may be more thought than the scriptwriters put into it. You know, I mean. Really, for for the sake of the movie, you got to have something like this going on. But I like how they used all these characters for like several. Striker also gets to be Wolverine's nemesis, right? Slash creator, slash trainer, slash we're not really sure. You know, they just do a little X Files where they give you more information and open up more questions. When I see shots like that of the White House, I wonder if they filmed them. Every time you see somebody walking in a movie like this past columns, you know that at one point. <laughs> right. There we go. We're going to change. 
usually those those shots like that of something like you know Washington or whatever they're usually purchased stock shots. Usually, they didn't actually go to the location and shoot it especially for that movie. Yeah, I always wonder about that, but you know, it's like. I mean, when you're filming movies, every movie has its own little sort of look. Do they go through one and find one where the colors sort of fit the right. stock? Well, see, that's why I think stock. that one's a stock, because it doesn't seem to match up to me. It, it does look a little bit different, like they're not again. using the same... Hello. That's what I want to do. I want to be in a movie and just walk around bare-ass through the whole thing. Well, there was a script I was working on in college called <laughs> Invincible Naked Man. <laughs> it was it was made for well, Chris Elliott was who we had in mind for the lead, but but yeah, you could do it. But, but you know what? The, the stupid Austin Powers beat us to the punch that we were going to have the whole movie where you never saw the guy Schwanker because something was always blocking it. <laughs> and it just became, you know, an hour and a half of building physical jokes to, to the point of where cars were crashing and stuff, which was ripped off from Monty Python. There was a Terry Gilliam right. cartoon that was similar to, like, full frontal nudity. Right. You could spend all kinds of time going, like, frame for frame through this scene and all the little Easter eggs on that computer screen okay. of all the, the different mutant names and stuff. I just love how it's always like this. That you always have these computers that are just sort of like, <laughs> yeah, how bullshit this every- technology is. Yeah, everything. <clears throat> yeah, everything's like a presentation. <laughs> it, like, look at something. It like loads it out like the um, Genesis project or something, right. You know. Well, I Which, like how it's even labeled, you know, yeah, secret, secret enemy base here, you know, with a flashing indicator. Secret like, enemy really? base, top secret. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I like, I mean, I love the score to this movie. Absolutely love it. But what I think one of the things that really works for this is that there are defined themes or at least recurring motifs for different uh, characters, for different um, instances of things happening in the movie. So it feels much more like the type of movie score that we as geeks have been used to for the past, you know, 20, 30 years with, you know, like the Star Wars movies and and certain uh, superhero movies and things like that. And uh, I I just, I love the score for this. It feels much more like the, the kind of, uh, comic book movie score that I would want as opposed to as much as I'm loving the Marvel Studios films I find the, the music to typically be very just kind of there you know it's yeah. just backgroundish whereas this it's a time score, it's a time and money thing I think is what it is right. it takes time and money to do a full old fashioned score mm-hmm. and especially if, you, if you're going to do that you might as well hire somebody who's really good at it you know right. it's probably costs some moolala well, Ottman is, uh, I mean, I, I just think he's a hell of a composer. I've, I've really enjoyed most everything that, uh, that he's done that I've listened to. Yeah, well. I wish his Fantastic Four scores were a little more dynamic, but I think it's more of he was working with what he had to work with as a film. So, 
I'll say I was talking with Luke Giaconetti, and I'll say this about Brian Singer is he's not a very he's he's a good visual director. He sets up scenes nicely, but his lighting isn't very isn't super creative. It's it's sort of like get the lighting guys in, get everybody nice. I mean, this is nice with the shadows and the it's very classic, you know, right. studio lighting, but it it seems a little canned in a way. Not you know, I'm not trying to criticize it, but the music takes it to another level. It sort of right. happened with Star Wars, you know. I went right. to see, like, when the early cuts of it, when they were like, oh, this just isn't working. And they got, like, someone in who started editing it different and started putting the John Williams movie music in, and it started working brilliantly. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of that happens... And the, the singer's direction is very workmanlike. You know, that's not stylistic, which works really well. See, I agree with, with you in the first one, but this one, I, I have to disagree. I think this one is very well directed to oh, a point where it doesn't even feel like, to me, it doesn't even feel like the same director as the first one. It's, it's like he grew by leaps and bounds as a director between the first and the second movie. Oh, yeah. It's, it's skill-wise, but he's an he's one of those invisible directors. You're not going to watch a movie and go, oh, this is a Brian Singer movie. Whereas like a Spielberg or something, well, you know, I mean, the Spielberg's one of the greats, but it, he, he, he sort of disappears into what, whatever he's doing, and it's not about this being a Brian Singer movie as much as it being about an X-Men movie. And that works really to his advantage here in a big mm-hmm. way. At, right. where it worked to his detriment with, say, Superman Returns. Where he, like, he kind of disappeared into Richard Donner <laughs> with that. Right. You know, and was trying to evoke the Richard Donner when he should have just gone straight, af- straight forward like this and just gone for the feel of whatever. Maybe it was because he didn't have a specific era of Superman comics to you know glean his his story from like this i mean this has elements from all kinds of x-men from um maybe this is where david goyer learned his style but just doesn't do it right but this sort of evoked from the 80s to the 90s x-men there's specific parts in here that feel like x-men comics that i read that aren't you know but they have the feel of it the sort of the same thing is happening there's a scene later with xavier this scene here is totally reminds me of just post burn era um x-men in the 80s and i i love it just sort of domestic life around the and i like that it establishes a scene and the world a lot better to just sort of see the school for the gifted going on right on its own i mean i really enjoy these scenes these are these are the i guess this is where the movie is slowing down a little bit you know mm-hmm. half an hour in for just <laughs> for a for moment long. <laughs> yeah just for a minute yeah but that's, really, that's the thing is even when it slows down for, for a really quiet good. little character moment it it's deceptive. See, I I love that that you know he's he's hunting a beer, 
you know, I just thought it was a nice little little it's, dialogue touch. He goes, uh, you know, got any beer? And, he's, and Iceman doesn't miss a beat. This is a school. Yeah, I like that. Nice moment between them. That's Brian Singer, I think, pushing the wheelchair right there. Oh, really? I think. He's one of the guards in, in one of the scenes in this plastic prison, but I'm not sure which one. I think he was the one wheeling in Xavier there because he's kind of a scrawny dude. And these other guys are kind of beefy. Okay, here's some other parts where where I don't think... Um, where it's like, how do you have a computer without any metal in it? Uh, you know. Well, here's the thing: is how do you determine the safe range? Right. Because you know, it seems to have quite a range. Yeah, because this is something that occurred to me today watching this again. Was okay. I, I can buy all of this that they somehow or other they figured out the range of Magneto's powers, and it and it doesn't extend beyond the you know the the docking station where the security guards are i can buy that that that's the limits of his sphere of influence if that's true though then how do you explain the scene later in the movie when he catches the blackbird out of the air because the the odom or not odometer the um uh what do you call it the the height indicator reads something like 1300 feet or something like that so clearly there's not 1300 feet between they might be sitting right here and the docking station so they might be keeping him a little sedated or you know that's true outside of the building might be a big plastic dome and there's like forks and knives and kitty wagons flying against (laughs) it and they just come in and go cut it out and whack him upside the head (laughs) it could be something like that that would be a nice little featurette (laughs) nice character beat here it's funny you you were right when you were talking uh in the last movie, on the first movie, about him being like the clean, scruffy uh, Wolverine, because it's very much what he is. Yeah, the He's... the real the real Wolverine should have like like those just insanely Robin Williams like hairy arms. You know, he 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 should look like yeah. He should he should just be he always like chest hair, just ridiculous. Yeah, Robin Williams style. Right. I like how they have Magneto's outfit as sort of like a straight jacket too. Yeah. Yes, it is a straight. I guess it could be. It's probably meant to be, potentially a straight jacket if it has to be. I love the interaction between these two, because yeah. not only do I buy it a lot more in this movie that they really are friends, even though they're diametrically opposed to each other in their philosophies on how to deal with human beings, but also. I like to think that you one. can kind of you you can kind of feel the uh, the beginnings of the real life friendship between these guys too because in real life they're they're great they're friends yeah and I I could see well I could see Magneto thinking well someday the humans part. are going to uh, zap oh that's awesome <laughs> he so, just doesn't get a chance to do it enough unfortunately. I think that 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 Magneto just knows he should keep his friendship with Professor X because Ow. 
and and maybe keep him open to the idea that he might you know come over to the good side because he thinks the humans are just going to eventually you know he he thinks eventually he and Charles are going to be on the same side no matter what right. whether Charles wants to or not no matter how hard he tries to live peacefully with the humans eventually they're going to be fighting on the same side now this is where I will definitely agree with you that uh, I, I get a serious like Claremont burn yeah era oh, in the mo- this feel. was in the movie theater where I was like oh my god yes oh my god Th- I mean this movie just brings a pair of teeth right here in this scene I cannot for the life of me remember the first time I saw this I'm I'm almost positive I saw this in the theater but I can't remember and Scotty would have been too little I think for me to have taken him to this I think. The, so I'm really not sure. At this point, the crowd was just like, oh, my God, it's on. <laughs> it's on like Donkey Kong. As soon as they saw Wolverine go, huh. This girl that they got to play Kitty Pride. sometimes there's just looks out, uh, in the little bit that she gets to do. There's just little looks on her face that look just like the cartoon or mm-hmm. comic character. It's really neat. I, 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 I want you see the the ones the when I was reading the comics, Kitty Pride was one and um, Colossus were two of the like focus characters. So it's weird to see him as like just background. You know? Love this. This was ingenious having it be. Uh, I'm trying to remember her name. I think Banshee she's supposed to be Banshee's daughter, uh-huh. but she has a different name like Cyrene or something like that. But I like the idea that having her scream alerts everybody. Yes. That's just great. This movie, by the way, if you ever get a chance to watch this in, in like a really, really good surround sound setup with, with uh, really good uh, uh, good I'll subwoofer. The, um, note the little, just the little holes in the fridge. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> I love it. But the uh, that part where she's screaming is one of the best. I mean, this movie is the sound design's phenomenal. Anyway, it's really great use of uh, of surround sound. But I love that part where she's screaming. The, when I saw this, That's I'm like, great. this is this is the this is the X Men. I I wanted to see. Wol- this is yep. I, this is Wolverine's character. He will kill people. Yep. These are government agents. U.S. government agents doesn't matter wolverine's just like screw them they're attacking our place he doesn't you know i guess you don't know they're that i like as much as i you know i always found colossus his superpower to be a little silly i gotta admit seeing him armor up first time i saw that actually every time i watch it that part i like because you don't get too much of it. It's just just enough of you, you know, of him doing it for you to go. Oh, that's cool. That, you know? that scene right bad. there with him stepping out is right out of the comics too. And yep. there's always some marine yelling, "Move, move, move!" Sorry, Harry Potter. <laughs> Harry Potter, don't tase me, bro. <laughs> oh. But I love this. Wolverine just tears. Yep. He's just mowing through people. Logan was asking me today if uh, Colossus has 
super strength in his mortal, you know, his human form. And I never thought that he did, but it almost gives the impression in this one and in the next well, one just that he's he huge. Might, well, yeah, I mean, he is humongous, but still. I love this. this. I love Ow! This. Yeah. Ow! Yeah. <laughs> uh, Wolverine's cruel, but he puts them out of their misery pretty quickly. Oh, there's just so like much of her flesh her to... to... She's just a walking... She. Uh, it's funny, did you notice like the body language of... of... Iceman and Wolverine on either side of her were just like completely, like fluidly making sure that her arms right. didn't touch them. They were like right. ooh, sort of working around her flailing arms and stuff. It was just really subtle, but it's because you look at her and you go, wow, she's hot. And then you think like, oh, you can't touch any this of that. This is great. Here we go. The big rawr scene. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> that's gotta hurt that's cool and a wife beater no less yeah yeah it was at this point in the movie that I was just like man this is what this is what I've come to this is what I've come to see in an X-Men movie see I like this because he has his berserker rage on, but it's not the really ridiculous over the top style that they would do in the comics. It's more of he's just really pissed off. No, he's got the more of the style of a special ops agent. Right. That but here this this reminds me a lot of the remember the um That's a nice Mel effect. Gibson movie called Conspiracy Theory? Where he was a mind. I never control. saw it. I, I heard of it, but I, I never did see it. And you know what? Now that I think about it, I think it was Patrick Stewart that was playing the striker role in that movie. Possibly he was the the handler type person, and uh, this reminds me of a lot of that that CIA mi like mind control. But Striker didn't really mind control Wolverine. He just <laughs> tortured the. And I like how they don't really explain. Like how you would infuse his, his That's cool. bones with adamantium, but they make sure that it looks like it would be insanely painful. <laughs> I love how the wall is actually wet, too. That's cool. That's a nice touch. I mean, it it's, looks real. Chip out of danger. <laughs> good line too yeah I like that and that look that he gives it's just like right, god watch damn it this. This, this always bugs me every time I watch this part this bugs me just a little bit he's, he does not get around the I don't think he makes it around the corner no before no goes he off. doesn't no he disappears as the second it explodes they yeah they must yeah, have. So he should be catching some ice shrapnel, like in the in the back of the neck and stuff. I, he would have if he hadn't just disappeared out of the frame a fraction of a <laughs> second before it blew up. Yeah, that's a good catch. That was some. They must have had a weird cut of it and didn't want to reshoot it. It must. It would be a pain in the ass to reshoot that scene. So they must have just like, I'll bet you they fudged around a few little, um, 
sweeteners of ice flying around just to sort of cover up him disappearing. But no, you're absolutely right. That was a weird cut. <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> <laughs> Although he's obviously doing the fake driving where he's just like going rah, 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 with the steering wheel. <laughs> drive, drive, drive. Remember. This is another thing. That's... How many times is somebody going to yank those I know, dog just... tags off and just snap the chain and you hand them to Just ask me for them. He's got like a box with 5,000 chains in it just to. <laughs> this I, I like. I was waiting for the car to like. Everybody's like, oh, turn that shit off. <laughs> oh, thank you. I <laughs> love it. Because they were still actually popular at the time this movie came out, so I love that little dig to them because I think they suck. Uh, Hello? It, 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 it's a, it could date this movie, but you know what? It's sort of the hatred of that band transcends time and space. Yeah, I like uh, I like Iceman's nuanced performance here. You can tell he's he's not digging Wolverine being back in the picture and having to kind of share her with. Uh, no, but he's still not. He's not irrational about it. He's like right. portrayed as having his shit together more than like your average teenager. A little right. Bit. And Wolverine's like sort of sensing that and going like, okay, you know, because there's definitely a little little chemistry between Wolverine and Rogue. You got a little something on your face right there. No, the other side. Right, right, yeah, right there. It's funny they should put some black on that eyepiece so that he has a little black eye. With I like how, I like just visual shorthand here. It looks like they got that guy twice. He's from Dawn of the Dead. I I like the visual shorthand of the little tumblers, like laser right. tumblers in the thing. That's just like this is going to unlock it. Although it was really yep. easy. Oh, this would. I think this guy's just. Huh? What'd you so, say? been a good time for them to put some of that green slime from the last movie into Cerebro. <laughs> Little antifreeze in the carburetor. Yep. yep. At least he's not dumb enough to like try it out. Right. That's what I sort of... I, I was expecting this to go in a lot of different directions, like predictable directions. I was, pre I was predicting Stryker. Now, do you know who this is on the TV? No. It actually no it, it actually creates kind of a continuity problem because potentially anyway. By the way, that's actually what she really looks like in real life. Oh. That's uh that's Mystique without all her makeup on. Rebecca something Stamos. I can't even remember that middle that Ramones. She has a hyphenated name. It's like Rebecca Rebecca Ramon Stamos. Something, yeah, something like that. And that's a little um, final, or what Just was it, Fatal Attraction? Not yeah. Attraction. No, what was the one with Sharon Stone in it? <laughs> oh, yes. Um, basic Instinct. Basic Instinct. Yeah, that was yeah. Basic Instinct. But the dude on the on the TV was identified as Dr. Hank McCoy, so that's Beast. Oh. In his human form, but you know, we're going to see Beast... And we're going to see him in first class and learn where he becomes the blue beast. So I guess you could no prize it by saying that, you know, maybe he's got because in the comics, didn't he have 
or actually, I don't think it was him. I think it was Nightcrawler had some sort of like holographic projector thing to where he could uh, he could disguise himself as a regular person and walk around oh, because he was what? like holographically disguised or something. You see, now I remember this. Really, I remember them giving him like an enema, like an <laughs> enema, and no, that's what I thought it was going because they're pulling out the underwears and right. And it, and it was like, <laughs> yeah, she's jammed it up his ass. Oh, no. He gets to wear all the crazy headgear, doesn't he? I, they love to put headgear on, on Patrick Stewart. Out of my brain. Neural neutralizer. What have you done with Scott? <laughs> Now this is um, one thing that I think that that was underdeveloped in this movie is uh, I don't know how they could have developed it more. They they do is the relationship between this guy's son and Xavier uh, when they finally bring the son out. It's like I don't know him from the comics, so I don't know anything about his backstory. I think so he's, he's just supposed to be Mesmero, I think. But yeah, but he's basically just a guy who stares intensely, you know, and that's that's all you so you don't know anything about him before. See, you know? I like that though. I like that we we you get just what you yeah. need. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, don't yeah. really need any more. And I think his looks and stuff are, are, are Pretty awesome. Creepy. It's really creepy. He reminds was... me of that character actor. I can never remember the guy's name, but he's been in a lot of movies I like. He was in uh he played younger brother in Ragtime. He was the God. There's a what do they God call him? Grimmer, Grimmer, Fork Tongue or Snake Tongue or whatever the hell they called him in um, Lord of the Rings. He was in Alien Resurrection, which was a horrible movie, but he was pretty decent. I can't remember the guy's name, but he always plays that kind of sleazy scumbag kind of role. I like it. It's not him, but that's who it reminds me of. I really like Alien Resurrection. Really? The last one? Yeah. Alright. Oh yeah, the one by Jeannot. Remember that City of Lost Children poster you gave me? Same director. Okay. He's a crazed it's it's Oh, maybe I need to see it again. I only ever saw it once and thought it was horrible myself. But... As, oh my god. The, yeah, there's a lot going on in that movie. More than than meet more than meets the eye. The I cannot think of the actor's name that he reminds me of. Lyle it. <laughs> See, I was expecting Stryker was going to be revealed as a mutant. See, I always thought that the scene toward the end of the movie where Magneto switches the machine and Stryker, yeah, Stryker is being a go which yeah. that was I think that was a twist from God Loves Man Kills is the the religious right. guy turned out to when he went to attack he he sort of they sort of got the whole trick professor X story from that right and uh and but here they say they make a real point to go like actually the mutant gene is passed on through the father you know so you get it from your father so I thought that was like Definitely them giving you a piece of information that Stryker was going to be a mutant too, and that maybe he didn't know it or he did and was being a dick about it or something. Self hating mutant or something. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. This is a this is a nice scene because it's it's really funny. You can see she's like enjoying like scoping out his room. You know, right. it's like okay, let me get a look at his at his room at home. I like that 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 they instantly don't. This is a very interesting scene. I like that he he sneaks a little peek. Oh, here. she That's wants very human, you know. No, what's no? It's what's going on there is they're they're messing around. They're fooling around because they can't touch each other. But she did you see? She was like, she's just like I'm gonna start changing my clothes right here, and she's looking over and it's it's kind. I think it's kind of like shows a little maturity in their relationship that it's like right. hey we can't make out and i can't get to second base or something but she can <laughs> you know change she can get naked with her back to me and you know so i can get a look you know so at least something's going on one of the characters that i really like in this movie a lot is pyro and i, I wish he had been just slightly more developed but i like what we got with him because that scene there i like his powers oh yeah <laughs> but the, the yeah i'm i'm the, he was my least favorite character in the movie i just thought really yeah and i i wish he was a little more appealing so his although it makes his his eventual story arc make more sense it just I just—he was just a, played a little too, too obnoxious. Mmm, human blood. It's <laughs> <laughs> like the inside of Wolverine's wrist. Wait a minute—he was wearing a wife beater before. Oh, he's got one. Of, maybe he got one of Dad's T-shirts. Could be. Wife Peter probably had a little bit of blood, a little bit of federal agent blood on it. Yeah, come to think of it, everybody's changed clothes, so I guess that makes sense. And it does look like it doesn't quite fit him right. He's got his Wesley Crusher ensign out. <laughs> <laughs> this this was another scene in the movie theater where I remember seeing, it was funny, the second time seeing this brought me right back to the theater, and it was one of those like opening night big crowds. And this whole upcoming sequence had them rocking. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a great scene. Yeah. Oh, it's brilliant. I love how it, I, I love how it's. I love how they pulled it off. With like, I always pictured he got the lead enema, and they, he just yanked out <laughs> lead out of this guy. But get the lead out of your ass. This is a lot more. I like that he's got the. He brought him some high C, that ectoplasmic punch or whatever the hell it was called <laughs> there from punch. when we were kids. <laughs> You're a mutant. You drink green liquid. <laughs> it's like no radical radioactive punch. This is, this is a awesome counselorship. Shit. <laughs> On a diplomatic mission. I don't know if that would I be don't fatal. Think this is how this actually works with iron in your blood, but I'll go with it. Yeah, I guess. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Well, that's what I was saying earlier. There's a lot of things that just don't make sense, but 
it allows him to have spinning balls of iron. <laughs> that, and the way he uses them to take it, the stuff out is right out of the comics. Oh, this is just great. That guy actually looks like Fastbender, doesn't he? Yes, the, he does. That's great. He's smart enough to retract the uh, the umbilical, which I think is pretty cool. But see, again, you know, he compresses this down, and I'm like, would that, would it really look? I mean, I think I, I don't think that's know. plausible. It might be kind of like aluminum foil, but it probably wouldn't matter with him. He right. just needs something to like. He get. The music in this is great too. It's it gives it a very religious. Actually, aluminum's not uh not susceptible to magnetic fields though, is it? Right, right. No, it's not. But I mean, you know, thin. So that would be funny if he stepped out under a, a, the aluminum foil and just plummeted to his death. Get a wily coyote. <laughs> See, this mother really like. Really like see that's that's the thing this this kid's in there this kid ain't got no respect he's in their house and I don't mind having the rebel kid who has ain't got no respect but this kid's just a little it's a little too much you know would you cut that out and he gives her a last flick and a little like fuck you and it's like or if I was if I was Ice Man I'd have be like, with I'd be like all these people around you know yeah well I guess cat's out of the bag in there. This little oh. brother's gonna get his ass kicked down the line. That's all. <laughs> like from mom, dad, Iceman, everybody's should kick that kid's ass. Cat, do cats really like coffee that much? Maybe she had a little bit of something extra in that coffee cup. Dad is such a complete puss in this movie. <laughs> you notice when they come in and Wolverine's standing there, who gets in front of everybody and blocks everybody and grabs a cat? It's mom. Dad's like backing up. Dad's like out right. the door like, you guys are on your own. <laughs> I love this. Um, they're playing too. That's another thing that this thing... They had it in the last movie, but this makes it kind of like the Millennium Falcon. Mm -hmm. You get a feel for what it's like inside it, what it feels like to fly in it, and it's got a cool um, um, ramp. <laughs> when, when I like the, the costumes in this quite a bit because all of the co X-Men costumes are very similar but they're all just a little different and distinct for each character, too. I, I like that a lot. I like that Storm not only got some character beats, but she actually looks really good in this one. Because I, I didn't like her hair in the last movie, and I really don't like it in the next movie. But I like it here. She looks good. It's funny that... Her hair is like straight. If she was like really an African princess, she would have some, you know, nappy, natural <laughs> afro would be awesome. I'm a sucker for that. Yeah, this is a nice character beat between the two of them. Yeah. Now, in the comics, did they ever have any kind of romantic? Who did he have a romantic? He had a steady girlfriend that I yeah. think she was just a regular human, if I'm not mistaken. They didn't give him a Ben Grimm blind girlfriend or something. Like 
Not that I recall. I, I, I feel bad that I forgot what his girlfriend's name was. It was like Amanda or something like that. I forget, but Amanda. Of course, I'm talking like the you know the older stuff. You know, from from like the 80s when I was reading it. Later on, he might have hooked up with somebody different. I don't know. I kind of lost track of him after he. He and Kitty both like if. You know, the the read through project that I did was I read strictly just uncanny and adjectiveless X-Men. And that was it. And yeah, and when they started it. branching off into all these other comics, I completely ignored those directions. I stuck so it's a very weird read through because at one point, Kitty and Nightcrawler literally just disappear from the X-Men. Now, I knew where they went. They went off and they became members of uh, Excalibur for a long time. But if you just read X-Men with those two titles, those two characters just seem to just, they're just gone with no explanation whatsoever. And it's decades before they come back. So it was really weird. And I, I just kind of lost track of him. I really don't know where he went as a character beyond, uh, uh, you know, when he went to Excalibur and all until he came back. Once again, nice little pause and yep. shit's about to hit the fan again. I love that. That's a nice shot with the where you just see the reflections of people running in the background. This is a great scene. Yes. This is the only part where I like Pyro. This see, I'm really surprised you don't like him cuz I think he's a really good character. But this this is what this is one of the scenes that makes me like him. Because I, I just I think it adds another layer of believability to it that why should they all be goody goodies you know why oh. can't there be one that's like god damn it i'm a mutant i've got special abilities and powers that are pretty awesome and i'm not taking your shit and that's exactly what he does that's why he ends up with magneto but i think it's just yep. it's a maybe it's the actor who plays him maybe it's his holes cut in his t-shirt the way you know the way they just but sort he of he reminds me of somebody that we would have gone to high school with one of the people that we didn't really care for you know what i mean yeah yeah he, re- he actually reminds me of somebody that you and I both know, but I'd be damned if I'm going to say his name in my show. So, <laughs> <laughs> But I think you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Well, that might... Because that might... He, he can be kind of a tool like that, too. That's a... Oh, that officer bouncing off the tree is awesome. Well, this, this scene was getting big. Anywhere where a police car, I, people love to see police cars, federal agents get the you know, shit blown out. I love seeing police cars explode, I'll just <laughs> say it. And it's, and it's, and in this movie, the police are not the good guys. The, the usual people that are like, I good love being able to see down her shirt. Can I just say that real quick? I'm telling you, you gotta watch your, um, um, True Blood. I, I I will have to I will have to check that out. There's a lot. Uh oh, he's gonna hurl. Not a lot. There's a lot of naked ladies in the <laughs> True Blood. I've now, is that a movie or was that a TV show? It was a TV series. I think it was on it's HBO, still, right? Yeah, it still might be going. It's at least five or. It's about vampires. Ostensibly at first, but they start putting every, all different you know all different kinds of monsters show up in it. it it gets campier and campier and nakeder and nakeder. Werewolf, there's werewolves in it and pagan goddesses and elves. It's it, yeah, it gets re, re- goddamn ridiculous. But um, 
yeah, heaping helpings of Anna Paquin and various other beautiful ladies. I like that. <laughs> no, just no. Don't even think about it. Shoot him in the ass this time. I I gotta say though, that guy who got got Wolverine in the head is pretty pretty damn good, man. To <laughs> like in a real life situation, that might have got him out of trouble because he could have had time to like escape. <laughs> right. By just being that quick on the on the draw. I like this. It like Wolverine's just like. Yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> Everybody else is like, what the hell? I like that little hurt look on Nightcrawler's face. Like, why has he got to be rude to me? Yeah, well, Nightcrawler's a, he's, he's a soft. It's a nice, nice look, too. There's a lot of little nuances in yeah, no, this movie that really do make up the character beats. Uh, I like that. That's what I like about this. You generally like and identify with all the characters that you're supposed to in this and they get a little more to uh, it just makes all the difference between the last one being a good movie and this one being a great movie no (laughs) this little girl's creepy too I know they should be playing Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I've been watching too many Italian horror movies. <laughs> Little music box playing in the background. She's got that like well, I mean I mean it makes sense since she's projected from a grown man, but she's got the like little girl with the poise of an adult right. out her. Did you ever see uh, Resident Evil? No. She reminds me of the uh, the computer in that. The computer is actually uh, a little girl. When it when it manifests itself as a as an image, it's uh, it's a little girl who is same type of thing, very adult in the way she speaks and everything, and she's creepy because she's trying to kill them. Yeah, and it <laughs> reminds me of that little girl in this. This is a phenomenal scene this is another one just torn from the pages of the comics mm-hmm. but i i love this some really good action here i like this little this female pilot right this yeah. female pilot gets a lot of she get for her little time on screen she's kind of cocky i kind of like her oh yeah She's she's got some chutzpah. She's not messing around, and she gets a little story arc too. And we make sure she doesn't get killed because they know we like her. <laughs> this would be my worst nightmare here. I friggin' hate planes. Oh really? Oh my I mean, god. This wouldn't be fun, but yeah. <laughs> if it was just a, that would be me. If it was just a passenger plane, yeah, it'd be my worst nightmare. But if you had the X jet, I would assume it's made for maneuvers such as this. This is great, except now uh, you know Kansas or wherever the hell they are is like ripped with these massive. I know people now. complained about Man of Steel. Look at this; they're taking out the whole Midwest here. <laughs> But I gotta say, for, you know, it's not like this is an old movie, but
but in CGI terms it is. See, there she goes. It holds up really well, yeah, though. because they did, they were, they were very, this one's definitely got a lot more CG, got a lot less of the practical feel of it, of the last right. one, and more CG in it, but it's not r ridiculous CG. I mean, this is a lot I, of CG, this is, you know, hundreds of tornadoes, you know, cyclones coming down. There she goes. Bye. My new girlfriend. She's safe. But um they 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 just they they do it right. They don't overdo it, they don't underdo it, they just use it for what they have to. Uh oh. Oh my god, there's two of them. I like that shot too. That one where the the establishing shot after the radar of the missiles just like very Superman the movie. Yeah, I was just thinking that. Well, shouldn't they have on board... Uh, what, is, what is that called when you put down the... Ah, shit. All I can think of is chafe, and I know that's not right. You know, when they shoot the the flares out of the back of an aircraft right. to to throw off a, a, like a heat-seeking missile? I can't think of what they call that. You'd think they would have that on board. My... I hate when that happens. very nice. That's really looks like she's fallen. Yeah. That was great. Lucky the music in this part is fantastic. Love the score in this part. Just the feel of, of that spinning out of control. I mean, this is uh, just makes my palms sweat. I love it. I like the look that Gene gave Logan, just sort of an yep. acknowledgement, and then he's he looks at it and he's just like, oh, jeez. Now what, now? Die. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to die. And she's like, yeah, okay, you're... you're <gasps> he's just like, ugh. That scene on a big screen, because uh, I, I watched it on my big screen, big screen TV and the surround sound is just awesome. I like that. It's more nice character beats here. I would have liked a just a tiny bit of fan service in this part. We do get a brief moment where Nightcrawler and Mystique actually speak to each other, but I would have huh. liked just a little bit more fan service in the fact of in the comics anyway. She's actually his mother. I was going to say. I would have liked an acknowledgement of that. They got the same blue skin and the same squinky eye. <laughs> what squinky eye? I like how you can tell Magneto now that he's out. Uh, he's just got his his groove back. Look, he's smiling and. Yep. Very cocky. He's got the healthy pink glow back to his skin. <laughs> Yeah, you can tell he's having a blast in these movies, yeah. especially here. It's gonna he's be. Got the, he's got the leg up. It's gonna be interesting. He's aged a bit since <laughs> this. Oh yeah. By, um, the next movie, he's looking pretty. He was looking pretty old when, um, at the end of. Oh, you didn't see the Wolverine yet. No. There's oh, a, is he in that? There's well, there's a cut scene. You know, there's a tag scene at the end. 
Ah. With, with Magneto and and Professor X. I need to see that. Doing a, do- I'm looking forward to the new movie, but I'm very curious how they're working him and especially Professor X into um, the next, you know, the the movie that's about to come out. Because as you're going to see with X3, there's going to be some major continuity hurdles that they're going to have to either explain or just completely knock out of the way and pretend like X3 didn't happen, right. which I fear is what they're going that, to that do. Could hap- that could very well happen. With that, that could very well happen because X3 is has become over time the, and I think very undeservedly so, but it has kind of become the, uh, the Superman 4 of the X-Men franchise. And it's a shame because I, I don't think it deserves that status. But. but I could see how they would want to maybe shape everything more towards the continuity of first class because it's a more recent right. movie. It's got the younger actors in it. They can sort of reboot it from there. Right. Because Patrick Stewart <laughs> can't be Professor X forever either. Right. I'm looking forward to see what you think of uh, of X3 because you haven't seen it yet. I'm thinking what they'll do with Days of Future Past is they just won't adapt the story. They'll just there'll be scenes from the original Days of Future Past, but it'll be its own thing, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, I, I don't expect at all that they're going to do a literal interpretation because you you really can't because. Right. You know, there's, there's, for one thing, it comes with so much baggage from Marvel Comics, a lot of stuff that they can't use. But also, uh, just the fact that this X Men movie universe and the characters are very different in this as far as their ages and when they became X Men and all that, that it doesn't, it, it would really be a lot of, uh, hoops to jump through to get it all to sync. I just don't see them doing that. And very very Millennium Falcon right here. Yeah, very much so. Well, it's it's a little it's a little Princess Leia and Han Solo too. You know, oh, she's yeah. in love with you know she's in love with the clean cut Luke They're Skywalker, both, but... and this is this is Han kind of moving in. You know. Um. Here's a question. I don't mean to spoil X three, but do they show the Danger Room? ever have we ever they seen do. The room okay i was wondering we, we haven't up till now but we do right. see it in the beginning of uh, of x3 and it's actually pretty damn cool that's too. good because i was one that's like one of the things that it's it's almost like the bridge of the enterprise or something it's like one right of the main attractions of it's done i think it's done very well because again one of the things i really like about this series is that you know as I said when we did our uh, commentary for the first X-Men movie, I-, I think that the first one caught a lot of flack, undeservedly so, because there were a lot of things that X-Men fans, the hardcore fans, really wanted to see that they didn't get in the first movie. And so I think they were a little bit unnecessarily hard on the first movie. But uh, I was listening to uh, uh, a documentary that was on the X-Men 2 disc today talking about basically the origins of the first X-Men movie. And the woman that was talking was comparing it very much with like Superman, the movie and the fact that they wanted to make it as grounded as possible. Yes. It's a comic book movie, 
but they were going for a level of believability uh-huh. for that first movie. So I think you had to tone back. Oh, yeah. And that's why we didn't have, you know, save for Mystique and Toad, and well, the bad guys, essentially. The, the heroes, you didn't have anybody that was really outrageous looking like Nightcrawler. The bad guys were a little bit outrageous. You know, you had uh, Mystique and Toad and and Sabretooth, but the good guys were essentially just humans with, you know, special powers. But they didn't push things like the Danger Room or, or, you know, Sentinels or, you know, Beast or any of these really kind of far out things. But as the series goes and they realize, hey, people like this, it's clicking, let's push it a little further. Let's let's introduce this element. Okay, well, they like that. They didn't rebel. They didn't think it was silly. So let's give them this element. And they pushed it and pushed it, and I like that. So by the time you get to, to first class, we have some outright comic book outrageousness going on yeah. that I don't think would have worked right out of the gate, but now yeah. it works because we've gotten used to it over time. Does that make sense? Yeah, they've established the world. There, I was gonna say, man, I would be into her doing whatever, but once she turned into Striker, I'd be like, <laughs> "We're done here." <laughs> I love that. Jesus, Jesus Christ! <laughs> Blue adamantium balls cannot be pleasant. There's a quote for you, Zarban.com. <laughs> Now I'm just pandering to him. I love this scene. Mm-hmm. You forget you 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 were starting to like Magneto again, and you forget you know he was gonna kill her. Yeah, he was just gonna kill her, and he's laughing about it there. Meanwhile, this guy's thinking about it. I like this scene. Little Palpatini. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is very much so. He's he's seducing him to the dark side. But the good thing the the, the good thing about Magneto's character that makes him a strong character is he's got a point. <laughs> he's got a total point. Fireboy. <laughs> Fire palm. Human torch. Oh, wait, that's taken. <laughs> I think Pyro, if I'm not mistaken, in the comics, I think Pyro was Australian, I think. Not that it matters. I like him much, much better this way. Well, I like He had a ridiculous you- costume. His you are a god amongst insect lines. He he and I like that line. He and her are both like when she told um when she told Nightcrawler, you know, I don't stay like a human because I shouldn't have to, and he's just like ho 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 ho. They're really yep. they're really good at like planting little seeds in people because their seeds I, I are like, good points. <laughs> yeah. I like this scene because it looks like he's actively torturing those kids. I don't think he is, but it kind of plays that way, and I like it. He's kind of enjoying it. It would have been maybe a bridge too far if he actually was torturing the kids, but it's they were definitely trying to evoke that. They got all the best toys. You can see here the Death Star does have a strong defense mechanism. 
<laughs> See, they needed to get Admiral Akbar in to do the uh, the briefing for this He's part. Mutant enough. <laughs> Could call him Fish Boy. He could wear a giant F on his chest. <laughs> his mutant powers—he stinks on ice, <laughs> and he tastes great with cocktail sauce. What is that little V on his uh, collar? Did you see that? Vendetta. <laughs> I want an underground facility. Damn it. Hey, it must be the maid's week off or something. Every time I see someone like walking through an underground to a secret, I hear dum 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 dum. Ah, he he totally should have like opened up machine guns on him and frozen <laughs> in a block of ice. <laughs> yeah. That would have been great. I would have loved that Luther. shit. Set him on fire. Uh-huh. You could have actually done all that. <laughs> I think he's coming, Mr. Luthor. He's definitely coming, Mr. Luthor. <laughs> Is it guard there looked like Richie Cunningham or the other <laughs> guy with the striker? Otis, take the gentleman's cape. <laughs> I like that move in your dead. Yeah, I highly doubt that. <laughs> <laughs> what I wonder is, why are they wearing camouflage in an underground facility? Shouldn't the <laughs> camouflage have, like, bolts on it and, and ribs, <laughs> like, the side of a... I want to know where they film this at. I don't know. It could all be just sound stages. I guess. But it looks it looks authentic, you know, it yeah. looks used like an actual place. Yeah. That's a good shot. CG, but a good shot. Ow. Bullets go through bodies, I'd just like to point that out. We have a metaphor, folks. Could be anybody. Anybody. <laughs> Ow. I love this little wave. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. She's such a bitch. Well, especially since he's doing it to himself, too. It's great. Right. Get some Jedi in here with lightsabers. <laughs> hey, that stuff costs money, asshole. It's taxpayer money. He does have some sort of little symbol on his uh, on his collar there. It's V for villain, just in case anybody <laughs> has any questions. I'll bet she is. That's a great shot, though. It's just like... Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Better get about 18 of those. It's open, come in. Forty-four million mutants. 
Come on, come on, assholes and elbows, let's go. <laughs> you know, Professor X just isn't as smart as they they always portray him as super smart, but he always gets brain raped by these other people. <laughs> to, that he's in special happy world, you know. This is a great shot. I like that. Just to remind you, this is all an illusion. An illusion. Why does a little girl need Cerebro? She is one creepy little girl. And I do not need to keep seeing her underpants either. I thought that was beyond the boundaries of good taste. Wait, rewind? What? <laughs> her on the other hand I don't mind seeing her underwear now why did he pull it out in this odd shaped chunk I wonder yeah Ooh. I like the little thing they do with her voice when she talks. I'm not sure what that that modulation is, but I like it. It's almost like it's just digitized a little. Yeah. It's got a weird, like, mechanical, almost like a mechanical type sound. To yeah. It. See, I'd forgotten about the children at this part. I would have been really horrible X-Men. I would have left the children. <laughs> Just left the kids there to drown. Yeah. I don't know. But Which would have been easier to get out, but it would have been a big pain in the ass to explain it all to the parents. <laughs> we, we couldn't find the kids. I, I don't know where they are. Well... She's just creepy. She's somebody from the comics, too, but I don't really know much about it. I mean, she's Lady Deathstrike, which, you know, I know the name, and I, I know vaguely what the character looks like, but I don't know that I've ever read a story with her. I'm glad if I did her it, as Lady Deathstrike in there. It's kind of yeah, name. that would be silly. I, I can't. I, I'm, you know, come to think, I'm sure I must have read a story with her in it at some point. If she was in the X Men, I just I can't remember her character. That dude is just freaky looking. I'm trying to think who he looks like. He looks like a character in another movie, a little bit like the the guy who had the Methuselah syndrome in Blade Runner, a little bit. But it's not that actor, definitely. That was the guy who played... Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Well, you've seen Lord of the Rings, right? Uh-huh. So remember in the second movie, in the in the Dark Tower, or the Two Towers, Towers, there's the guy... What's his name? Wormtongue, I think is his name. Grimmer Wormtongue or something like that. And he's the one that's the advisor to the king, but he's keeping him... Yeah. Like enchanted or something, so he's just oh, like yeah. barely alive. That guy, that's who he reminds me of. Uh -huh. I can't remember that actor's name, but he's been in a million movies, and he always plays the same kind of slimy role. That's who the that guy in the wheelchair reminds me of. I, I, it's not the, that actor, but he just looks like him. 
when you're one of those character actors and you go through life and like if you're kind of slimy and weaselly looking you you probably <laughs> noticed it when you're a kid but nobody wants to go like you look like a slimy weasel but there's got to be some <laughs> point in your acting career where you sit down and go i look like a weasel or i look like an asshole there's a lot of character right. actors who just play jerks in every movie like the guy with right. ferris bueller's principal right they just have that look on their face and someday they go you know what i may be a really nice guy but i just look like a child molester i'm gonna <laughs> play child mol- i'm gonna make a lot of money being the like creepiest <laughs> child molester in any movie you know and I wonder if that's, like, horrible to their psychology or, like, incredibly freeing. Right. I don't know. You'd, I would think that you'd have to really have your shit together psychologically to be okay going down that way in history. You know? Yeah. That, yeah, yeah, well, I was this guy, and I made, you know, I made 60 movies in my lifetime, and I was a complete asshole or the in every are, single one of them. Or the know? women actors who are always playing, like, the fat woman, and, and <laughs> right. you know, the fat friend who's, like, sassy and stuff. Right. Because I've wondered about, I mean, there's a difference between or dumb people. playing the villain. I can see playing the villain because the villain's usually a lot of fun. You get yeah. to choose scenery, and you get to be outrageous. So I can see wanting to be the villain, but the the ones that I again I would think you'd really have to have your shit together is like say the guy that was both the asshole reporter in Die Hard and okay. he was also the uh, the environmentalist guy um, Peck in Ghostbusters. That guy's an asshole. Oh, and now in real life, isn't that he's the same the guy nice from Ferris Bueller too? He's got that. no, no, no. It's not. No, no it's but they, they have the same look. Yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah, they look very similar. Oh, yeah, he's probably a sweetheart in real life. Yeah, exactly. He's probably the nicest guy. guy, But can you imagine how many times that guy probably catches shit when he's out somewhere and and gets recognized? Like, hey, I know you. You're that asshole. And it's like, no, I'm not. You You have no penis. (laughs) It's true. Yeah, exactly. But... I don't know. I, I mean, when I was in film school, I would always act in other people's roles, and I would always try to get, like, the more grotesque part, or, you know, the parts where you're playing a slimier character or something like that, just because it was more fun to play that role. But I guess I never accepted to myself that I just looked slimy. <laughs> See, I like that that scene really demonstrated... The power coming out of uh, out of Cyclops's eyes. I think that was really cool. Like that scene a lot. <laughs> and this that hug actually demonstrates how much their uniforms look like leather chairs or something. <laughs> <laughs> Rich Corinthian leather. I think she plays her role a little too robotic as his... Because it seems like everybody else who was under his control weren't really robotic. They were just like... She's just kind of like the yes master. Right. She's Lobot. Yeah. uh (laughs) She gets to shine in the fight with Wolverine, though. That that fight's pretty brutal. Yes. Oh, my God. That fight's really brutal. Yeah, she's clearly kicking his ass, too. 
Hello? Is somebody there? See, Wolverine is probably one of the only people who's qualified to do that. What's that? Go. Hello? Anybody there? <laughs> because he could probably usually handle <laughs> what's right. there. Everybody else should just turn around and walk away quietly and hope that somebody there hasn't heard them yet. I like that you see his claw marks on the wall. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of stuff done in this without exposition, and I, I really appreciate that. I really appreciate the filmmakers not putting the bib on me and putting me in the high chair and patting me on the head and changing my diaper. Well, maybe they could change my diapers, but... <laughs> Although it's kind of weird that Stryker, uh, unless Stryker, like, set this up for Wolverine to see, it's kind of weird that he would just, like, you know, this is an abandoned area here, but he's still got all the pictures hanging up and stuff like that. But I like it. You, I mean, it's just a very simple shorthand. You see, it's like, oh, man, they were just injecting his body with hot, <laughs> hot metal. But that also means that that thing's been sitting there bubbling and all this equipment and everything's been just sitting here with the lights turned on for 15 years. Well, that's, that... what, that's what Stryker explains. He's like, that's the thing with adamantium. Once you get it into a liquid, you got to keep it a liquid forever. Or it's not going to, you're not going to get it into a liquid again. So he'd amassed all this adamantium and, and in order to ever use it, he has to keep this place at a constant you know, constantly running because he's got to keep it whatever. He's got to keep the oven on that keeps it <laughs> boiling or whatever, you know, whatever process it is. Right. For To their advantage, they don't go too far into it because it would just start sounding ridiculous. Right. So. I'm very curious, <coughs> pardon me, if they can... Uh if they can use the word adamantium in the Marvel Studios universe, because that's supposed to be one of the the uh, components of Captain America's shield as well. Well, I think adamantium is... I don't know if... I, I know it's not a real metal, but I think it's a real word. Ow. I hate when that happens. You see... One thing I've always wondered about Wolverine, okay, he can heal himself. Right. Including, I'm assuming, a puncture, you know, a heart that stopped, you know, his brain getting a hole in it and, and, and such. Right. But, man, like, I mean, all these, pu you know, punching through is, well, I guess maybe you can't get to the nerve bundles in his spine and stuff to, like... But you'd think you could, you would just a few stabs into the spine, and he would be paralyzed for till he healed. Right. But I like that she's kind of hardcore like him, where she's like, you know, I mean, there's one thing giving somebody the adamantium, and I, I'm assuming that she that he she just had the same healing mutation that he had. But you got to give it to somebody who's willing to take the pain to use their, <laughs> you know. Well, what I like with this is that there's an implication here that, yeah, 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 he's got a healing factor, but there's limitations. That, well, and I think that that's necessary to yeah. have those limitations because... Otherwise, it's another destructible. Oh, 
Yeah, that's another one of my problems with comic book Wolverine is that he started out where that, you know, he has savage. Yeah, that was nasty. You know, where he, yeah, he has the healing factor, but he has limitations. He could be killed. And, and now it's to a point where I, I do they even know if he can die? Because that right. that's the point they've gotten him to now that he can take pretty much anything you can throw at him. That, to me, makes him very uninteresting when right. he's completely it, it's like playing a video game when you put it on god mode and you just can't die no matter what you do where's the challenge in that it seems like you would be able to take him and just sit him in a fire <laughs> and burn away all his bio if you burn away all his biological stuff what's he going to regenerate from but, but he guess, has though i'm guessing because his adamantium bones contain marrow inside of them and nerve bundles right. and it just grows from there but yeah i, mean, that's, that's, I, I have like, read that some... becomes a swamp thing in the alan moore right you know exactly i have read some latter day x-men or and or wolverine stories where he essentially came back from a pinky i want to say there was a story where something. he fell into the sun or something and came back from that i don't know i could be wrong on that but it, it was something ridiculous with him and Jean Grey. I remember where he got burned up really bad and, and came back from them like, really? This does not look like it would be fun, by the way. No. <laughs> like, I was just like, ah, jeez, that's gross. Although it does look like... Although it basically... Funk. The adamantium looks like melted silver crayons. <laughs> see i like how she's just like find the mutants and then she's like kill them just kill them and kill them kill them kill them all and i don't understand i guess they've been dripping him with circle juice on the back of his neck that's why he's just like kill them okay sounds legit there's no mistake in here that Magneto just this. blows all these yeah, yeah. people up. Yeah, screw them. That's what I would Ow. if I was Magneto. If I, you see these guys, why have they not deserted yet? <laughs> like they're gonna get punished. Who's gonna punish them? Everybody else is gonna. I would just leave it if it was these guys versus me with guns. What? And grenades, you're just sort of... Yeah, you're bringing a knife to a gunfight. <laughs> now, here's another thing. Okay, here's where I'm going to start getting into some of my... My quibbles, story-wise. If, if you're doing the, like, kill all the mutant things... What about the mutant that's, uh... <laughs> um... Manipulate... What about the little girl? Why isn't she, like... You know what I'm saying? Why? I guess Professor X wouldn't be. It's emanating from him, so he would be okay. I'm but, thinking maybe Cerebro is shielded. That's the only thing I can think of. Is that while they're in that room, they're safe? Maybe. See, I, I at don't this know. point, I was like, I totally see and see how he's kind of a little hunched over now. I was thinking maybe he was feeling it, you know, but it's right. like he's just struggling with the door. Oh, that would have been a, a nice twist. I actually think of that every I time. I sort of I thought watch that's this. where it was going. They, right. And I don't know if they set it up on I purpose. I think in all the people that they show, when they show the humans later, 
you know, wiggling around and everything. I think it would have been interesting to have at least one reveal in there somewhere of somebody that we had thought was a human that is that, you know, like maybe like the president, the president or something. What if the president was revealed to be a mutant? You know, how would that change things up? That would be a neat little twist. What was that? It was like a giant neural neutralizer screamed out at once. <laughs> it was suddenly silenced. I like this. He's just like, they got it all wrong. I was like, <laughs> really? You can just flip, switch things around like Legos? And I, I love that. <laughs> Dorky looking helmet. Yep. Spirit magic helmet. <laughs> <laughs> And once again, they give him the same thing. It's like you're just starting to sympathize with him. You know, you got that little humorous beat with him. And now he's just like, <laughs> I'm going to leave you to destroy everybody and die. So all he's got to do is move some plates around yep. and Lego this place up a little bit. <laughs> Lego it up. Have you seen the Lego movie yet? You have, have you? Yes, I did. Oh, I loved it. Loved it, loved it. They just did, I know you're not a Simpsons fan, they did a Simpsons movie that was a, all in Lego, or Simpsons show that was a parody of the movie that was brilliant. That's one I would not at all mind doing a commentary for when it comes out on DVD. I think, I think it, it comes out in June, I think. It should be pretty soon. Yeah. I would not mind that at all, because I loved that movie. Okay. So now we're going to put the humans into squealing paralyzation. <laughs> all over the world. All the humans in the world. Right. Okay. Where are the scenes of the planes dropping out of the sky? Ooh, nice. Mm -hmm. Where are the shots of all the cars crashing? <laughs> you know the buses right planes helicopters just the mass the millions of people that would die from this little mistake you're not supposed to think about it exactly that's what i'm saying and in a lesser movie i i i would that Ow. would bother me does i like how you just like i'll just give you a little love tap here ow where did he jab him anyway? It looked like the armpit. Uh, it's, it's probably just a flesh wound. Probably just uh, playing around. I like this guy's really smart. I like this scene. He's just like, look, you asked for it. <laughs> yeah, I, I do. I really, really enjoy this scene. I like that line. You know, you act like I stole something from you. I, I like that. Yeah. You, you volunteered, and, and you were up to no good with me. You saw the first Wolverine movie, right? Yes. I wish he had played his character again in that. Granted, he would have been considerably older and everything, but I, I wonder if they might have been able to do some sort of you know digital magic or something to make him look younger or something. Cause it would have been a pain would... with him because it's not like... Um... It's not like making a young Flynn. He doesn't have one of those. Fa he has a kind of rubbery face. <laughs> right. <laughs> but work. Yeah. Still, 
Once I, I, I would have, I would have forgiven it. You know, even the, you know, even if they couldn't exactly pull it off, making him look younger, I would much rather have had him than the guy that they used in that. I appreciated that they that they had the character. I just wish it had been the same actor because I really like this guy. Some good dialogue yeah. exchanges between the two of them. No, like, I mean, you know, I mean, this is pulpy characterization, but it's really good pulpy characterization. I mean, the X-Men is pulpy characterization, and this is, you know, there's, there. I mean, there's, that's always a big element in Wolverine's stories is, is you know, him differentiating himself from, he could go berserker, but he, you know, he's always ultimately... You know, going to be uh, siding with the good guys, right? There's humanity. Her hair almost looks blonde in this part. Yeah, it does. I mean, it should be snow white. Yeah. It would look weird. It would look like old lady hair, but it, I mean, technically. I mean, I don't, I don't envy the job of costume and character designing from the comics to the screen right and getting it to look you know something that looks totally cool in the comics can look really cheesy oh i i went garage selling today and i saw a wolver a little kid's wolverine costume (laughs) i mean like for a little kid like a five-year-old and it was the old school yellow with the black ribs on it which I thought was really unusual. It was funny because I was with Scott 2.0 and I'm like, hey, look in that box. There's a Wolverine costume. And I watched him like flip by it a couple times. <laughs> Try it was, on. No, well, no, yeah, that, <laughs> that would have been comical. No, it was, but it, it just, it looked like, like it was blending in with all the little girl stuff because it was bright yellow, you know? And he was like thinking, I mean, a little kid, you would think a little kid would be more familiar with this wolverine right but i guess maybe the animated wolverine had the yellow outfit on right yeah well that's why there was that that little crack in the in the first movie there right about uh you know what do you want yellow spandex he gets that costume in uh in the wolverine but he doesn't wear it oh really yeah there's there's somebody makes him that costume if i recall right I need to see that. It's good. I heard from the Hair Metal Hero that the version to see is the there's a unrated director's cut. Unrated. And I guess you know, they they originally made that movie to be an R-rated movie and then decided now we need to go for PG-13, so they cut out the scenes where Wolverine's throwing ninjas into wood chippers and stuff. <laughs> I guess literally, I guess he throws ninjas into wood chippers, so Awesome. I'm down, yeah. Oh, I'm totally down. She is a creepy little brat. Nightcrawler's nice, but he's a sucker. He's just like little That's girl. some nice... Ooh. <laughs> nice camel toe. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Nightcrawler. I mean, how much of a sucker would you have to be to see that creepy little girl and go, oh, she's just a cute little girl. Mm-hmm. She's just a cute homicidal Lizzie Borden 40 wax <laughs> girl. She only looks like every movie where she'd be walking backwards and upside down out of a TV and screw you guys. I'm going home. <laughs> Bye, Magneto. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> Can I join your super bad guy club? <laughs> I'm gonna get to burn things. <laughs> <laughs> Focus, find all the humans. Yeah, they're hard to find, they're hidden <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> I like the, the little sounds. Crashing. People are going. No. Simon Ben Elder. All right, she disappears, but the panel does not come back. Oh, there it is. When he takes the thing out, now it's there. It seems like they should have, you know, reality should have been restored when she faded away, yeah. right? You would think so. It's a nitpick, but. Oh, shit. Did I just ki almost kill the whole human race? Sorry, guys. Now, I tell you what, if that's all model work and such with that damn, they have come a long way since Superman the movie. Because yes. that shit looks pretty real. I th I'll bet it's model work combined with CGI, sweetened up with CGI. It's pretty impressive, it, though. A lot of it is reminiscent of the model work in, in Superman the movie. Yeah. But it just it doesn't have that tiny thing slowed down to make it look huge. Screw that guy. <laughs> <laughs> but once again... Oh, this is such a drag. I always hate that line. I hate that line in episode two, but I had to say it. <laughs> it's funny. He's almost like a little baby. <laughs> Tiny little baby Picard. Special effects have come a long way since Temple of Doom. Yes. I like a control panel where you can just stab it and it does what you want it yep. to do. You don't want to go that way. Trust me. And not just malfunction. Right. <laughs> not just turn off because it's shorted out. That's He's following that logic when Luke shoots the control panel to the chasm, the trench chasm thing in, in Star Wars, then the bridge should extend, right? Exactly. But it doesn't. Crack, 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 crack. It does go against one movie cliche, though, is that it doesn't stay intact long enough for them to get away. Because that's usually how these yes. things work in the movies. It'll stay intact just long enough for them to lift off in their jet, 
and then collapse, you know, and the water pours in. But in this case, they don't, they wouldn't have made it without what happens, you know, without Gene's sacrifice. I like that. Now, I think a lot of these kids are actually from the comics as well. Like that, that one girl, the... I'm betting every single kind of them is. Asian Indian looking girl. I think she's from the New Mutants, I think. I like this. I like that this, like, pretty much shows how hard it, you know, fly, like, the reality of flying a jet is, like, really hard. So When you're a girl. Yeah, especially when you're a dumb girl. <laughs> Female listeners of Two True Freaks, both of you, please don't go away. We're just kidding. Please. Who are you talking to? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Theoretical <laughs> female listeners of two different <laughs> I know who they are. It's Jaja Gabor and... <laughs> I can't remember who the other one is. Every once in a while, I, I do hear from a female listener, so they're they're out there. Why, why the hell they stick around? I, I you know. got me, but they're out there. I don't know. Some of the horrible they'd sexist be, things that we say. No, I figured they'd be collaborating with the Canadians to get revenge by now. <laughs> didn't know good Canada in this. I didn't get to make any Canadian jokes. Hey, kid, I'm going to traumatize you for a while. Let's go talk to this guy. <laughs> Remember the line from Battle in Outer Space Wars? We stole it from somewhere else. This kid should have had that line. He should have just looked at Wolverine and go, you know this guy? <laughs> Ow! Come on, kid. Screw this guy. I'll just hang around here for a while. I like how they just have one chain across his face. <laughs> What are you babbling about? Time to go. Time to go. Stop talking. Time to go. We've got to get to Taco Bell. There's a special on Chalupas. <laughs> Do you know how long it's been since I've ate? I am now, baby. <laughs> the Framalamers are... You fritz. <laughs> the takeoffers won't work. The plot staller is broken. Hyperdrive's been deactivated. I love their they're all I'm going to override this. Yes, good idea. Everything on this the hyperdrive motivator has been pulverized. It's impossible to go to light speed. Huh? See, this is where Kirk realizes in Generations. What? Wasn't it Generations where they're on the on the bridge and they're like, somebody needs to do it? Kirk is just like, hmm, this is a job for Kirk. I thought you were talking about Star Trek Three before. You said you said something about I'm there was a Star it, Trek. I am going to tie it into Star Trek. Oh, okay. Rather strongly. Oh, okay. Very soon. 
But I'm not just a Star Trekky sort of <laughs> sort of thing going on here. The same sort of thing where she realizes, I realize now what I must do. I wonder how he would have done with a Star Trek movie. Brian Singer. Yeah, I think Brian Singer would have been a good Star Trek director, as as a director who disappears into a movie. He definitely after would have got the after, characters right. After his success with the first X-Men movie, he was on set, and he actually has a cameo in one of the next-gen movies. I just can't remember which one it is. I have to look that up and see if I can remember which one that is. But, you know, because he, you know, of course he works with, with Picard here and everything, but... Yeah, I never really thought about that before, but I bet you he would have he would have been pretty good for an yeah. X Men movie, no, or I mean a uh, Star Trek movie. Before. I like this part where he's like, "Huh? Is there water?" Don't see him die though. No. But I like I like that. Just that's a great effect. Really nice special effects in this part. This is Moses' part in the Red Sea here. I like that while he's saying you get her now, he, you can tell he's trying. He was actually yeah, he's right trying to yeah. And said it. He's got the little, little poofs coming up around him. Nobody ever makes a comment about that though, because in the comics it was always you know emphasized that you know his his teleports were were accompanied with. Uh, I'm trying to remember what how it was worded. Something about the smell of brimstone and sulfur, or something like that. Well, sulfur smells like farts. Yeah. So you'd think every once in a while somebody'd be like, "Man, who caught one?" You Not know, in the plane, dude. Just <laughs> <laughs> power in a well-ventilated area, please. That's brutal. So Scott, he, he comes over and he's having his fit and he says, don't you say that. And then Wolverine says it like three or four yeah, more exactly. times. Yeah. <laughs> it is a good scene, though. I like this scene a lot. He's a little something in this scene. I don't know. I entirely buy his uh, his grief there, but... Who, Wolverines? Yeah, he's a little... Well, they were... They seemed to... They, they were seeming to play that they had the, like, mystical connection, you know, the... Right. Real... You know, like, if she had met Scott, and, like, Scott's like, ah, the boyfriend, they're, they're in love, whatever, but Wolverine's, like, floats her boat, you know what I'm saying? Right. And the same with Wolverine. It was a love at first sight thing, I should say. I feel bad for all the people living downstream. Yep. Oh, well. <laughs> Screw that town. We're going home. <laughs> I like this little line where they're like, I think, whether they use the word catastrophic. And he's uh, nearly annihilating our way of life. He's just like, uh, 
do we like this word nihilate? That's a total. That is a nice little politician line, right? And this is a really good scene, too, because it also, you know, the X-Men are really a gray area. This is pretty unethical for Professor X to do this. You think so? What, to freeze a press conference and trespass in the White House and scare well, the hell out of the president? <laughs> yes, but I think he realizes he has that, to do that it. this is a, a potentially pivotal moment here yeah. that the president might be saying something inflammatory that oh yeah he's trying to save lives for sure but it's right. like it's it's a pretty it's a pretty risky sketchy way of doing it and it's you know at the same time it's also just such a blatant display of power it's like oh we're not threatening you <laughs> but we can stop everybody turn off the lights and all of a sudden we're sitting in your office <laughs> and there's right. nobody else around so yeah <laughs> Think about that. We're, we're going to make our entrance under the guise of thunder and lightning. It's it's like Kirk punching someone in the face and then going, not going to hurt you. And then there's a guy who <laughs> stabbed him just like smiling at him from the... I love that look. Yeah. It, that look of like, oh yeah, that's right, I almost <laughs> was going to stab you in the neck. I like this scene because it wraps everything up and it gets them off the hook. It explains why nothing's yes. done to them, essentially. Yes. Yeah. Why? Why? Nothing makes me crazier than when you've got a movie like this and the hero gets in all this shit. And then at the end of the movie, it's just left that way. And then you pick up the next chapter with the next movie, and it never addresses how they got out of any of the stuff that they got into. They just are. Wait, where's and James perfect... Bond's girlfriend from the last movie? Yeah. Well, perfect example is Batman Returns. Batman, at the end of that movie, is abs his reputation is screwed. Yeah. Because people witnessed him murder a girl... And all this other shit that happens, he there, there's no way he can get out of it. What it needs is a scene like this at the end where the files dropped on like the commissioner's desk saying, Hey, by the way, Batman didn't do any of that stuff. He was right. you know, he was framed. None of that. Next movie picks up, Batman's back to being a hero and everybody loves him again. It's like, no, it doesn't work that way. You have to explain how he gets out of the the whole dilemma thing you set up in the in the last installment. And they never do. It's, it makes me crazy. Uh, so I like it that they do it here. Well, this, this, this is sort of... This is what... I, I see what you mean by the empire of this movie, but this does tie up the movie. And it doesn't leave it hanging. It, that's, that's very true. That is very true. So actually, yeah, I, I do think your uh, your analogy of, uh, of Star Trek 3, at least for the way the movie ends... Is, it's coming up. <laughs> yeah. I mean... Pay special attention to the Star Trek Three scene when it comes up here, and listen to the music that's playing. Mm -hmm. It's like the music that's playing, the 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 visual on the screen and the dialogue. It's it's. I don't know if he, if it's like a subliminal ripoff of Star Trek Three or if it's a a tribute. Actually, it wouldn't be so much three; it'd be two, wouldn't it? Because two's the one. Two's that ends the up. one that ends like that. You're right. You're yeah. Right. 
Because that's right. Yeah, it's it sets up for yeah that two's the one with Spock's voiceover saying "Space right. Final Frontier." I mean, the music in the the scene coming up is so totally out of it, uh, right out of Star Trek Three score. Mm-hmm. No, actually, you couldn't have done more to save her. That was See, the, quite the, spelled out in the in the in the script. <laughs> This was one of the last movies of this type that really did have a discernible superhero theme to it as well. Because I can remember walking out of the theater with that that theme to the X-Men stuck in my head from this movie. Right, right. And I like that. That doesn't happen with the Marvel Studios uh, movies, no, much to my chagrin. Not much at all in any movies these days is, you know... I mean, uh, the, uh, with classic movie scoring, you'd have every major character would have little flourishes mm-hmm. and stuff, you know. To it doesn't go that far, no. but but it's damn close. It would have been a. I don't know if it would have worked in a story like this with all with this many characters. Mm-hmm. I don't know why this scene is cracking up just so long. What do you mean? I think it will be. That means it's not fine. (laughs) Professor, you're freaking us out. Oh, that's funny. I noticed that. I didn't notice that last time. That he's What's that? Once a future king? About the Magneto's book. Yeah. Space you... is the key to our evolution. <laughs> Professor, could you pop a wheelie? <laughs> I think this is the little voiceover that Picard gave at the beginning of the, the first one, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's the same sort of thing. And she's the phoenix, so there you go. And there's the... Mm-hmm. It's... Yep. Yep. I agree. Uh, and the, I love the music the and everything. Love it, love it, love it. What a damn good movie. What is it with all the people with Ys in their names? Hater with a Y, Singer with a Y. Now, this has the distinction of being one of the few... No Stan Lee. ...of these... No Stan Lee, yeah. Which, uh, that's a shame. Because the first one has one, and uh, and the next one has it. But not in this one. Oh, I wonder why. Not so much. Yeah, I don't know. It's a shame. They could have just... Had, maybe he was one of the blue people in the Cerebro Groid. I... <laughs> They I, say that something was... I had read about it said that because of where it was filmed is why he he uh, could hear something. Yeah, but, but you can always do. You could really always true. had him interviewing the beast on TV or something, or been right, been yeah. like sitting in the chair next to the beast on the TV show or something. Right. Maybe that I don't. They're probably not thinking about that as much in these ones as they do now, where that sort of become a thing. 
where it's where it's almost like you gotta have like Marvel movies now you gotta have Stanley in it and then you gotta have uh, the cutscene at the end. Mm-hmm. Now it's like two cutscenes, <laughs> one in the middle of the credits and then one after the credits. Yep, they've had to they've had to give us more because everybody yeah. <laughs> came to expect. It's funny. Something. You see, this is just like this is like old school movies. Credits at the end. They have major credits and then they have scrolling credits. But now you have a credit sequence. It's like an opening sequence with some animated thing, and then it goes right. to, and then that's when you put the cutscene in. Then you cut to this. Right. So it's weird how that's sort of all evolving and getting added on to. As time yeah. goes on, it reminds me of like when Monty Python shows used to, like wouldn't play the theme till halfway through or they would play the end theme five minutes into the... <laughs> right yeah this uh this didn't you know this predates all that look phenomenon and everything Bonnie but Drake eventually was played by james kirk ah yeah i saw that that's funny what a great name to go through life as it's <laughs> got to have been his parents have to have been trekkies they have to be right I guess if there's a Kirk family, I guess the odds of being named Jim are pretty good, even, but... But how could you not know? Now I wonder how many Jim Kirks there are in the United States. In the world. How many Jim Kirks are there in the world? They they should do, like... You ever heard of the Jim Smith Society? No. All the Jim Smiths of the world have formed a society... And that's hmm. that that you know how evil that sounds to me, but that's back from our high school days. But they should have a Jim Kirk Society of all the Jim Kirks. I wonder how many of them are total wimps. <laughs> Probably most of them. But like the next movie does have uh, an after credit sequence, and I think it's because. If I'm remembering the timeline correctly, I think that one's after the first Iron Man, I believe. Really? So I think they were playing off the whole, you know, everybody'd come to expect, you know, something after the credits after, you know, the first Iron Man movie. So I think that's why they did that. And the funny thing is it was going to be a while before it wasn't like they were setting up for another X-Men movie. At that point, at this point, right, there was the X-Men. After 3, the X-Men were pretty much up in the air. I think so. See, I don't know that it was originally planned as a, as a trilogy at all. If it was, then... Oh, I'm sure they were hoping... Oh, I'm sure they were hoping that it would be a continuing uh, yeah. series, but what I'm saying is that was it specifically planned to be, you know, three acts? I, I don't know about that. I think these two... You know, the, the first one and this one feel very, you know, it, it feels like a continuation of the same story and everything. Three, frankly, doesn't. And that's part of the, the problem that I think people have with the third one is it doesn't feel as naturally, organically a third installment of a trilogy as well, it should one- if it really was intended to be that, which makes me think it was not. This one, boom, takes place right after the last one. Yep. So, uh, I don't know. Does three do that, or am I just gonna have to find out? It it, it does and it doesn't. Yeah. 
Um, I'm going to be very curious what you think about that one, having, you know, seeing how you, you have not seen it before. Because I find much to like in the third one. I, I think it gets a, a, a bad rap um, undeserved. But at the same rate, it is a step down. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I'm looking forward to talking about it because I, 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 I dig that one. I watched it just today. Yeah, it's going to be my first time. I've I've been meaning to watch it ever since it came out because I remember like oh, I, and I remember they were like well oh, there's just it just gets too ridiculous with Magneto slinging bridges around and I'm like I don't know that doesn't sound ridiculous to me no it's actually really good the, sounds... the special effects are top notch in that one and that was another that was another complaint that it was too special effects laden and uh, well I don't know we'll see I. You know, I don't mind special effects laden, so I think it has a it has a bigger feel in that one as far as the effects. It kind of it kind of expands the world a little bit. I mean, so far the only one that I I, I guess I could say I didn't like was uh, the Origins Wolverine one, and it's not that I didn't like it. It was a totally watchable, entertaining movie. But it suffered from some of the things that I don't like about these movies where they were like, here's a scene where we introduce some favorite mutants that people love, you know, mm-hmm. that I'm unfamiliar with, but they felt shoehorned in, you know, even right. for mutants that I was familiar with the characters and liked, it's just like, oh, okay, he goes someplace and they, now you get to see the people, you know, right. it's like, okay, here they are. But we're just holding on to them for later, maybe. You know, we might need these. You know, these guys. If 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 they turn out really popular in this movie, maybe we'll we'll throw them in somewhere else or something. And it and there was a lot of that in in there, and that was sort of turning me off. But then first class just completely wiped the slate clean of that. I had a. I I'm really looking forward to watching first class again. Yeah. I haven't seen that again since the first time I saw it. And I, Damn, dude! I was, yeah, I, I, I don't want, I don't rewatch movies that much unless I get obsessed with them right off the bat. Because I just, I'm, I have more new movies waiting that I have right. to see that that are gonna take up that spot before I watch. So, so that's why I love having <laughs> these shows because it it forces me to rewatch some stuff that I probably should rewatch or that I'm going to enjoy a lot rewatching, like this movie. Right, I'm, but I know I'm gonna enjoy the hell out of uh, first class. That's gonna be a fun one to talk about too. Well, see, the thing that that both this movie and first class have working for them is story, and ultimately, that's the problem with X three and Wolverine Origins is that the story's just not as tight, unfortunately. Yeah, not that they weren't you know perfectly watchable and enjoyable movies, but they're enjoyable on different levels they're enjoyable as action movies they're enjoyable as you know special effects movies but i like this movie because it tells a great story that just happened to feature you know a lot of action and great special effects well and and the quality of the not the quality as in good and bad but in the 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 way the story is told is very much like the x-men Mm-hmm. And that that has some things that work against it built into it, you know the the sort of overstuffed Chris Claremont stories and stuff. But that's why I liked it. I was like, okay, there, you know, 
They they paid attention to the source material, instead. Absolutely. Where instead of like, what can we call out of the source material to make a good movie? Which sometimes makes good movies. But they were thinking, you know, what is the mood and what is the ideas behind this, you know, goofy concept? It's like I said, they don't try to make it perfectly realistic. You know, they know that this is a goofy thing and they go with it. And they also go with the fact that, like, all right, these mutants are really powerful. They actually address the issues albeit in a pulp comic-y sort of way, of what would really happen if you had people like this in, uh, on the planet, you know? It wouldn't be like, oh, there are superheroes. There would be a lot of people who are like, I don't trust them. And what I like about this is it makes the mutants like, yeah, there's a good amount of the mutants you can't trust, just like regular people, you know? There's a bunch of them that uh, will, yeah, will take advantage of their mutant power. So, Yeah. I'm digging X-Men. Sweet. All right. Well, I think that about does it for this time around. Join us uh, this time next week when we will tackle X-Men The Last Stand. Yes. I can't wait. I'm a virgin of The Last Stand. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time. Visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2TrueFreaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email 2TrueFreaks directly at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com. 2TrueFreaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search 2TrueFreaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number 2. You can find 2TrueFreaks on Facebook. Just search for 2TrueFreaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. We were finally invited aboard one of these spacecraft, which landed near Ann Arbor, Michigan on October the 24th of 1954. This is a drawing of the craft. As I was leaving the craft, the commander, Soltek, said, soon others of your people will be able to have an experience similar to this.